Okay, season seven, you fucker, let's be having you. I am still there in my brain rabbit hole, and I want to talk, I'm going to muddy three episodes into one here, I think. So, I want to talk about one of my boyfriends, a guy called Ramachandran, he's one of my influencer dudes, he's an Indian-American neuroscientist. I want to talk a little bit about him and something that I've learned from him. Uh, the difference between motor neurons and mirror neurons. Fucking mind-blowing shit, lads. Absolutely insane. I want to get that out of the way. And then I want to talk about... Season 7 in general. Or even the, the fucking 7 solo seasons and the conversations. I want to gloss over what I've done in this episode a little. With the view of talking about what I'm going to do in the final episode. So in this penultimate episode, I want to talk about mirror neurons and motor neurons and Ramachandran. And then I want to talk about what I've done to date to a degree. So, first off, one of my boyfriends, Ramachandran, VS Ramachandran. Look up anything that he's done on fucking YouTube. He's just amazing. I love him. He's absolutely amazing. He taught me about this thing called phantom pain and phantom limbs. But I'll get into that in a minute. First off. I want to go back to an analogy that I think works in relation to getting your head around neural pathways. So, just for the purposes of trying to get my own head around this, your brain is like a forest. And the different ways that you move throughout that forest are like thoughts. So, if you just have a random thought one day, that's just like you randomly wandering through a new part of a forest but there are certain thoughts that you have all the time and they're like pathways that you walk all the time in this forest so as you can imagine a pathway in a forest that you walk all the fucking time is going to be well well worn out there'll be a very easily identifiable path through that forest because you'll have trampled on the ground so much by coming and going you'll have worn a track through the forest and thoughts are very like that. Your neural networks are very like that. If you do something, like if you play the guitar all the time, the motion of your fingers hitting the fretboard and hitting the different strings, which your left hand say, and then your right hand that holds the plec that does the strumming, you do that so often that those firings in your brain, because you're doing very precise movements with both hands, those because the movements are the same, you're walking through the same path in the forest. So the more you play something, the deeper those tracks are in your brain and the easier it is for you to play something that you've learned. If you think of learning a new instrument or learning a new song, let's say, even if you don't play the guitar, you can imagine this. The first time you try and play it, it's difficult. But the more you play it, the more regularly you play it and the more often you play it, the better you become and the easier it becomes. It's it's funny, it gets easier and sounds better because you're hitting the exact same notes all the time. So just that's a bit of a, a recap because I've spoken a little bit that a, a little bit about that before. So if you reach out and grab something with your right hand, which is something that we all do all the time, there are a series of neurons that fire in your brain. And they're called motor neurons, because if it's if it's a movement thing, you can call it a motor neuron. As per always with me, don't be getting hang or hung up on the specifics. Just the, the broad gist of what I'm talking about, the sentiment, is what's most important. So this is 
pretty dumbed down. Don't quote me on any one specific part. So you have motor neurons, which are the neurons that fire when you move, essentially. So when I reach out and grab something, the reaching out and grabbing something with my right hand, part of my brain, lights up. But if I watch somebody pick something up with their right hand, the same region of neurons fire. And when neurons fire for both when you pick something up and when you see somebody picking something up, those neurons are called mirror neurons. I think they're both motor neurons and mirror neurons because they fire when you pick something up with your right hand and they fire when you see somebody else picking something up with their right hand. Okay? Now, the weird thing about this is if I see somebody scratch the palm of their right hand with their left index finger, say, the neurons that control my left index finger will fire because they're looking at somebody else's left index finger scratching or moving, say. So they fire. But I don't feel the scratch in my right hand when I look at somebody else scratching their right hand. The neurons might fire as though I'm doing that movement, but they don't fire for receiving the signal. And that's because the neurons in my that connect my the palm of my right hand to my brain, they would be sending a signal to my brain to say it's being scratched. And that would give you the, the feeling, the quote-unquote feeling. But if those neurons that are in your hand, say, if they're not being stimulated, they don't send signals to your brain. So your brain is firing as though your left hand is scratching your right hand, but you don't feel it because the receptors in the palm of your right hand aren't sending signals back to the brain to say that they're being touched. But you have a map of your hand, say. You actually have a map of your whole body in your brain. And if you have all your limbs like I do, I have never had anything amputated, I have a full map of my full body in my brain. And that map is really, really, really well walked through space in the forest. Because I've had 10 fingers and 10 toes since I was born. So every day of my life, my fingers have been firing in my brain, say, every day of my life. And that's akin to me walking the same path through the forest all the fucking time. So you have really, 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 really strong neural pathways for every part of your body, basically, because you've always had them. They've always been there. They've always been firing. But what happens if you get your arm amputated, say, in a fucking car crash or because of a complication or whatever, you get amputated in hospital. If you physically lose your your right arm, say, if it gets cut off and you are now an amputee, you don't have a right arm, you still have that neural pathway in your brain for your right hand or your right arm. And what people experience is what's called a phantom limb. So they'll get an itch on their hand that they don't fucking have anymore. If, let's say, they had an itchy hand their whole life. Bad example. Let's say you were born with a a birth defect and your right hand was all clenched up when you were born. 
and it was really painful and you lived till you were 10 with a really painful scrunched up right hand and it got to the point whereby it was unbearable and you were fucking suicidal with the pain so the hospital said you know what we may just remove it to fuck because your life isn't worth living with this scrunched up really painful hand we'll just lob it off the fuck will we yes get rid of it to fuck can't stand the pain anymore but that pain has been firing in your brain your entire life so it's it's there there's no getting away from it it's it's there you can lob the hand off and it doesn't matter it's still in your brain so people will experience what's called phantom pain because the right hand for example has been clenched up and really painful their entire life just by removing the hand you stop the signals being sent from your hand to your brain they end because your hand isn't there anymore for them to be sent up to it in the first place. But the neurology is there. And you can't amputate the, the neurology. Now maybe we'll get to a point in the distant future where we can actually amputate the neurology. So we remove the limb and we remove the part of the brain that had control of that limb. But the weird thing about phantom pain is... This guy Ramachandran, he developed something to help people with phantom pain. Literally imaginary pain. They've got a pain in their hand that they literally don't fucking have anymore. Okay, it's been amputated. It's not there. But the pain is still there because the neural pathways are still in that person's head. And what Ramachandran invented was what he called a mirror box. So he got this box, a cardboard box, and he arranged a mirror in it so that... The person who's, let's say, right hand or right arm has been amputated. When they put their left arm into this box, visually, because of whatever way the mirrors were set up, they could see a reflection of their left hand that made it look like their right hand was back. And by wiggling the fingers of their left hand and seeing their quote-unquote right hand, which isn't there anymore, seeing that moving, that gives them savage pain relief. It can fucking cure them of their phantom pain. Now, bearing in mind, this phantom pain is something that could very easily have them suicidal because they're just so fucking painful. 24 hours a day, they just can't get away from it. No mean feat to cure somebody from that kind of an existence by, you know throwing a fucking mirror in a cardboard box and getting them to wiggle their other hand. Fucking fascinating shit. But people with amputees, just speaking of these mirror neuron things. So to recap a little, when I see somebody scratching their right palm with their left index finger, my mirror neurons in my head fire as though I'm moving my index finger. But I don't feel it in my hand because my hand isn't sending signals to the brain saying that it's being touched. But when a person whose right hand has been amputated watches me scratch the palm on my right hand, their motor neurons fire in their brain. Oh, sorry, the mirror neurons fire in their brain because they're watching me do the exercise. But because they don't have a hand, they feel me scratching my own hand by looking at it. They feel it in their phantom hand. They feel it in the hand that isn't there anymore. Because the hand that isn't there anymore can't tell the brain that nothing's happening because everything, the, the connections have been severed by the amputation. But wait, there's more. And I haven't tried this yet, but I'm fucking going to and I'll report back ASAP. You've probably 
had the experience at some point in your life whereby you wake up in the middle of the night and you've been lying on your arm and your arm is is like dead it's completely dead you, there's no feeling you, you, you could pick it up and let it go and it just fucking falls you've lost all feeling in it and a lot of people seem to think myself included up until recently that this is something to do with blood flow you cut off the blood flow to the arm and that's what makes it go limp but it's not what's happening is whatever way you're lying the nerve that goes down your arm has been pinched or squeezed or tightened so that it's not sending the signals back and that's actually what causes a limpness in your hand say or a, a dead arm or a dead hand when you when you lie on it for a period of time but if you do this so if you sit in your hand for long enough until it goes dead until you've pinched that nerve enough so that no signals are going back to the brain and it just lies limp when you do that you should be able to watch somebody else scratch their hand or maybe even stick a pin in their hand if you watch somebody else stick a pin in your hand my understanding is that if your arm is dead and those nerve endings aren't sending the signal back to say nothing's happening you'll recoil in pain if you see somebody stick a pin into their own hand you actually feel it in your quote-unquote phantom hand it's not a phantom hand because your hand is still there but as far as your brain is concerned it's been amputated because it doesn't have any feeling because you've pinched the nerve fucking fascinating shit like but that's mirror neurons motor neurons and your man ramachandran out of the way what the fuck do I have to say about the last fucking... I was about to say seven seasons, so I... I've done six seasons back-to-back back since I came back doing it, because originally when I started the podcast, it was all just conversations. I did 10 or 20 of them, and then during Lent, I said, fuck it, instead of giving up something, I'll do something. So we did an episode a day for all of Lent, which was six weeks, which was 42 days. And that was great. And then I continued doing, I finished that off, that was just a once-off, and then I continued doing more conversations, and then I had like a year and a half break, and then came back. Had a couple of conversations, but the the hard thing about the conversations is, or in, in, at least in relation to the solos, in relation to the solos, it's all on me. I can do them at any time of the day or night, whenever the fuck I feel like it. But with conversations, it's obviously very different. You have to contact the person, organise it all. And you have to meet up with them and blah, blah, blah. It's just that it's a hell of a lot more involved to do with somebody else than to just do it by yourself. So what I found during, especially during lockdown, when people were less uh, inclined to go and have a conversation with anyone than before, I found the solos were just great because I could just do them myself. And I ended up doing six seasons back to back, 42 episodes apiece. This being episode number 41 of season seven. And... I faltered there within the last fortnight or so because came back to work of all the stresses of the fucking business and not just all the stresses of the business but all the stresses of the business that's been closed for the past fucking year and a half. So it's been up to me eyes and a whole load of different things and I did an episode, not the last one, the previous one, about a couple of other things that were wrecking me fucking tits as well. But anyway, to cut a long story short, I've had a mountain of stuff on me plate for the last fortnight or so and it's not that I didn't have the time to sit down and record something. I fucking had that in spades. I could have just sat down at any point of the day or night and started talking. But I didn't have a whole pile to talk about. And the reason I didn't have a whole pile to talk about, in comparison to the previous fucking six months, say, 
was because over the course of the previous six months, I had nothing to think about. I didn't have to worry about my customers. I didn't have to worry about my produce. I didn't have to worry about sourcing materials, paying staff, paying the ESB, paying the rent, paying the diesel, you know, fucking servicing the forklift and the van. I didn't have any of that because my business was closed. And while my business was closed, my mind was free to wander and think about all sorts of shit. My mind was free to wander and think about all the fucking things that I've been talking about over the last six months. But it's just such a great example of how there's a limit to what your mind can do. So if you're, you, you can't, you can't be busy and then double your workload and then double it again. There's not enough hours in the day. And that's what I found was the busier I was mentally with work and what I had to think about in relation to work, the less room there was in the 24 hour period or just in the space between my ears to be going down rabbit holes about fucking mirror neurons and motor neurons and God and death and psychedelics and fucking nutrition and all the other things that I'd be shite talking about. But it was cool for me to realise that on top of not having the time to talk about stuff, I kind of ran out of things to talk about to a degree. Because... Like I might think, I might think of something interesting today, and I might go down a bit of a rabbit hole. But I'd never do a podcast on what I'd just gone down a rabbit hole about. I usually go down a rabbit hole, and then a week later, I'll either still be down the same rabbit hole, or I've come in and out of it. I've jumped in and out of different rabbit holes, or conjoining fucking rabbit holes, and I'll go down one and come out another. And I'll have usually thought about something on and off for a couple of days, if not a couple of weeks or months, before I actually talk about it on the podcast. Because in keeping with advice that I've got off another one of my boyfriends that's on my list of influencers, Peterson, Jordan Peterson, one thing that I've heard him mention many a time is this idea that when he does stand in front of a group of people in a theatre or a fucking venue or whatever it is and talk about something, he typically only talks about, I can't remember the percentage, but he typically only talks, let's say, half, 50% of what he knows about it. That way he can go on tangents and if he's asked questions he can extrapolate. And The idea being if you say right I've learned a little bit about the brain and whatever I've learned I'm going to talk about on the podcast. If you do that you'll rhyme off what you know in a minute or two. But you won't be able to flesh it out because you don't have the depth of knowledge. You don't have the depth of understanding. You've, you've, you've shot your load too quick and you've given people what you know without giving them the benefit of you having mulled over it for the last month or so. And that's another benefit of speaking extraneously as I do. And there's an analogy, analogy alert here between what I do with these solo podcasts and what I do when I'm pitching for business or what I used to do when I was pitching for business. So if you've ever watched Dragon's Den, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody who's memorized their presentation. Because it invariably goes tits up. And what happens is it'll get off to maybe a great start. But then one, two, three, four, five minutes in or at some point they're going to give a bit of information that was supposed to be at the end in the middle. And as soon as they do that, they've lost their train of thought and they're fucked. They know what they're talking about, but they don't get it. And you can imagine this if you want to, if you, actually, sorry, I'll explain the way I do it. I'll have an idea about what I want to talk about, but I won't have it scripted because when it's scripted, you can lose your place in your script. But if you know what you're fucking talking about, you can just talk. 
Now, you have to keep it within the time period, so you have to be kind of careful. You can't waffle on for the whole duration of the presentation on the very first piece of your presentation. You have to have a start, middle and end and all the rest of it. But the point is, the beauty of speaking extemporaneously is that it's kind of natural. And it's natural in a way that a scripted version isn't. Nobody wants to fucking listen to somebody read a book. But people will listen to people tell the story of the book they read. Because it's it's just far more engaging. And what I've noticed recently is I'll watch a, a YouTube video or I'll read a paragraph on a, on a website or something and I go, fuck, oh, that would be a great thing to talk about on the podcast. But because I haven't been mulling it over for the past couple of weeks, any time that I sat down to record it, it just sounded clunky and a bit shit. Or I'd record three minutes and I'd be finished. Whereas I'm on 20 minutes here and I've barely fucking started. I have to wrap this up now because it's the second last episode. Speaking of the second last episode. So did the first season with the conversations, took a year and a half break, did a few more conversations and then did six back-to-back seasons, 42 episodes apiece, of which this is the second last one of season seven. And I'm going to take a break for a while. And the reason I'm going to take for a break for a while, there's 101 different reasons, but the main ones, I think, just so I'd fucking know myself, are I need to build up that bank of interest and knowledge that I would have had at the start of six months ago. Like six months ago, or let's say 10 months ago, when I started the second season of the podcast. If you would ask me then, what were you going to talk about? I would have said, oh, fuck, man, I have a million and one different things in my mind. A hundred million things in my mind. And you might have went, okay, you've you've a lot to think about or a lot to talk about. But you mightn't have assumed, as much as I didn't, that I'd have 42 fucking episodes and fucking six of them. Six by four, what's that, 294, 290-odd episodes. 15 minutes long, there, thereabouts. Like, I didn't know I had that much in my head. So it's great for me, looking back in hindsight, to realise that, you know, 10 months ago or so, I had so much in my head. And it's great for me now to just basically sit back and relish the fact that I've done so much spring cleaning. Because the amount of stuff that I've... I know, just tidied up in my mind and gotten straight in my fucking head that was essentially clouding my judgment. Because if you've got all these different component thoughts in your brain and they're all rattling around and they're all firing at different times and you're thinking about this one day and you're thinking about that the other day, there's a fogginess to that. It's 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 hard to see through it. And what I feel at least that I've done is I've organised my mind of nothing else over the last 10 months. And what I've essentially committed to doing now is taking a break letting just taking a break just when I finish the next episode I'm going to do a big giant (sighs) and I'm not going to plan to do anything I know I have a load of different things that I want to do but I'll talk about that in the next episode but before I go into do even starting any of that I'm just going to take a big giant fucking sigh because I suppose I, I feel I, I've earned a bit of a break. <laughs> um, and on that somewhat waffly note, I'll chat you in the next and final episode.